another episode. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. I know. This is like episode four, but it's really episode three. Sort of. Yeah. And um, we're hearing a lot of noise in the background. Are we? Yeah. What's oh. going on? Washing lettuce. Washing lettuce. Always something, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important to wash lettuce. Yeah. Because there are things in the lettuce. You've actually found things in lettuce I have before. Found, if I told you what was in the lettuce, nobody would eat lettuce. Should we say what was in the lettuce? <laughs> That's up to you. Yeah, might as well. I mean, maybe people should know that they should wash their lettuce. Uh, green caterpillars? Green caterpillars. Yes. Good. Even after having been in the fridge for a few days. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So if you don't know what this is about, and yet you're somehow on episode number three... This is the show titled ThingsMyWifeSendsMe.com. That's the name of your website. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess the name of the show is ThingsMyWifeSendsMe. Mm-hmm. Right. But the .com allows them to go to the website. Okay. So it works. Yes. Okay. Anyway, my wife sends me articles, and then we discuss them. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's... That pretty much sums it up. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I figured they must have listened to episode one, two, and the special edition, so mm-hmm. why do we need to explain it again? Okay. All right. So go. All right. I'm going. We have a bunch of stories here for you today, so I guess we will start off with bullies. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a, a good topic right there. This comes to us from cbsnews.com, and it talks about schools saying that the 2016 campaign insults conflict with no bullies policies. In plain English, kids are wondering why in their elections they're not allowed to bully, and yet in the elections happening in the United States, bullying is running rampant. Oh, you found you, you actually found the caterpillar. Yes. I oh. Little one. Ooh. <laughs> anyway. I'm I'm glad you're actually washing this lettuce. Holy cow. All right. Wait, okay. Come on. So while while my wife is working I'm, I'm on back. that. Ca- I'm back. All right, go. Oh oh, she's back. All right. While she's working on the caterpillar, I'm gonna continue. What's taking place is that, from what I understand. Let me just see one second, because someone was thrown out of office in the school. Let me see a second. During a school election? Yeah, during a school election. Like student election? Student election. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because the idea is when it comes to these various elections (coughs) that are taking place... There would always be comments of, how would you feel if someone was saying these things about you? That's what the students are always talking about. And there's been major bullying campaigns trying to prevent bullies. And even during a debate before the fifth grade class election, moderator asked the candidates, and this happened at a school. Mm -hmm. This is compared to the actual primaries that we're seeing. Asked candidates to say something nice about their rival's ideas. Mm-hmm. Where one of the students praised the classmate, which was a call to clean up the courtyard. And that 10-year-old that said something nice about their opponent got elected uh-huh. as president of their student class. That's how it should be, right? Right. But the whole thing is... is 
everyone's so confused because pr President Barack Obama had a 2011 White House anti-bullying summit and a 2010 YouTube video called It Gets Better Project aimed at bullied gay youth. Mm -hmm. And the youth are sitting there saying, wait a second, if the adults are behaving the way that they are, in this case, they're talking mostly about Trump. Mm -hmm. well, why you, should you know we follow? I feel about that. Why should we follow? Right. And speaking of Trump, we're going to add an extra story that wasn't even a story, mm -hmm. which is kind of confusing because Ben Carson has endorsed Trump. Yes, which is driving us mad. I, I don't understand it. Actually, if you look at Ben Carson's Facebook... There are a lot of angry people on Facebook right now. And I don't blame them. They, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's really disturbing. I mean, like, we, we voted for Carson, and now we're not very happy. Literally, of Carson's endorsement, 7.6 thousand people voted it as angry. Mm -hmm. They're angry. I can see that. Yep. What? Oh, I forgot to shut the refrigerator no, off. You can pipes, hear the there's noise. there's pipes upstairs. Oh, is that what yes, that is? Yes, Okay. So if anybody's wondering what that noise is that just came on, that's the pipes. Yeah. I mean, look, it, I, mean, I think that, I mean, if, if these candidates are taking the opposite side, that you should not be accepting people who so-called lead the way Trump leads, they should not be going over to their side. I mean, maybe there are things going on behind closed doors, but still, like, you, you, you know. One it's, of the... It's really disturbing, especially if it's somebody who claims that they are looking out for everybody's best interests. One of the paragraphs says, I know there are some who want to underscore our differences and others mm -hmm. will wish to return to statements he has made about me in the past, but that is politics. As a man of faith, all is forgiven, and we've moved beyond the past as the future is now. He's yeah, literally using Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Okay, and that's very nice, and I'm glad he wants to give him a second chance, but the, the reality is that this election is not working that way, and politics in the world are not working that way right now. I mean, on an individual basis, that's fine, but when you're dealing with leaders, like, you know, and especially with Trump, for example, he really has not changed very much in the course of time. I mean, he can claim he has, people can claim he has, but, like, if you look at his history, there's not very much different. So to just say, like, oh, now he's better, I don't believe that. It's, it's so strange because one of the comments that are out there on Facebook, I could not be more disappointed in you, Dr. Carson. You are not the person I thought you were. I feel misled and betrayed by you. I thought you had an unwavering moral compass, but your support of Donald Trump proves that you do not. Yeah. I mean, I agree to some extent. I mean, I again, I think that for these politicians, if they really hold by their beliefs so strongly, they would stick to them. Yeah. I mean, I've been having the feeling that Trump has been paying off a lot of these um, endorsers. And I, I mean, again, I don't know, but it's just a lot that looks a little bit too shady. And, and I don't want to say anything bad about Carson Scholar's fund that he has. Which, but this is going to tarnish it. It's going to tarnish it, possibly. Right. Because he got into politics. He got into a space. He would have been better off endorsing nobody. Right. 
he I don't I don't really have a problem with him by himself, but like, you know, somebody like that should not be endorsing somebody like Trump. Endorsements are more for the politicians. What do you mean? As far as politicians endorse each other to get favors. Right, but it's just it's not, you know, that's that's not what should be happening here. Right. It should not be happening here. It's just strange. I mean, I think that in this election, everything has been happening exactly the opposite of what one would expect it to happen based on, you know, normal human behavior. Yeah, no, nothing... So I, we don't even know what to do with it. Nothing is normal point. nowadays. Well, the, the worst part is, is that there are plenty of bits of information that's out there where people are literally showcasing how Trump is Hitler. Right, and I mean, I don't disagree with that. I was thinking that before all these, you know, news outlets started saying that. And everybody can discount it and be like, oh, we're not supposed to say things like that, but hello, people, like, wake up to reality. I mean, this this is just the way things are. And you can sugarcoat it and be politically correct and stuff, but I mean, I'll be honest with you, I think that the way... As much as Trump is telling everybody, oh, don't bother being politically correct and stuff right now, the way that they're saying, oh, he's not like Hitler, is trying to be politically correct. You know, in other words, like, oh, we don't call people things like that. Well, if they're actually behaving that way, maybe we should be calling them things like that so people wake up. I mean, this is not, like, a a classroom. This is the world stage, and, you know, our, our decisions and votes really do affect the future. On a local radio show we were listening to this morning, they happened to bring some guests on who are doing some amazing entrepreneur work, and they had a question from Conan O'Brien. There was a quote where Conan made a joke about Trump being Hitler, but where the word Hitler was, they left a blank. Mm -hmm. And essentially... They were saying, okay, Conan was saying, hey, do you know what? Um, Trump was being told that he was being compared to this evil man, blank. And instead of Trump, uh, Trump was, was upset about it, uh, about it. But then he, I, I forget exactly what the quote was, but the idea is, is that that blank, when they tried to fill it in, they said Osama bin Laden. And they said King Jun Il. Right. They were well. They were pulling out everybody, but right. They they were literally being asked the worst possible mm. person you could think of right. in history. Worst, and it was amazing that even when they were told Hitler, they're like, "Oh, okay." Like it didn't phase them. Right. I noticed that. Right. I mean, I don't know what these people learned in school and all that, but. It's not really something that we should be ignoring. Well, it makes me wonder, as more Holocaust survivors are passing away and various initiatives to deny the Holocaust or there's no longer as much connection, if the future generation is going to even understand how evil Hitler was. Right. I mean, and the other thing is, I I don't know, you know, to what extent that period in history was taught in public schools, because we both went to Jewish schools where... They really did talk a lot about it. No, definitely. But, I mean, I don't know about other schools, because I don't know. We, we, have no, we have no clue. We have no insight into it, but it looks like it's not as prevalent in people's minds as it maybe should be. 
Right. And as a result, mm. will history repeat itself? I really hope not. I really hope that people start paying attention. I mean, like, you, you can... What am I trying to say? Well, I mean, it could be a case where, let's say Trump gets in, he becomes president, et cetera, et cetera. It could be a case that the founding fathers have done such a great job setting it up that someone like Trump has no ability whatsoever to do any evil no, but, stuff. But look at, you know, with this current administration that they have used executive orders to the extent that it's kind of become normal. Right. You know, oh, it's another executive order. And... I mean, that's not really how all this was supposed to go. No. So if that just becomes the normal way of doing things, then, yeah, I mean, he can use any excuse he wants. No. Which is really scary. Speaking about the past, Nancy Reagan has passed away, and we were watching some of the funeral. It was really nice how they put it together. I, I didn't expect to see the audience laugh. But that was just a nice moment. Yeah. As they were telling stories of... Nancy's past and her relationship with her husband, Mm -hmm. which is cute. Another person, though, that passed away that you might not be aware of is Gillis Lundgren, I hope I pronounced that correctly, who is famous for designing IKEA's Billy bookcases and invented flat pack furniture. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Well, there are a lot of people who passed away this week. Yeah. I, I really feel... I mean, knowing what I've observed about people, like, at the end of their lives, like, that these people just gave up hope. You think so? I mean, watching what's going on with this election right now and the fact that so many people are siding with somebody who, you know, really is is not safe for the planet in general, um, you know, really leaves you without knowing what to do. I mean, especially somebody like Nancy Reagan, who spent her whole life really, you know, trying to fix things and now just seeing that it's at at a pace where it's all going to get reversed yeah i mean that's not exactly a very um comforting feeling i'm sure well just a little bit information about him he passed away at the age of 86 Mm -hmm. and was the number four employee was the fourth employee of ikea Mm -hmm. to join that company yeah and Three years in his post at Ikea, he actually had an inspiration to detach the legs of a table. Mm -hmm. And they're not sure if he unscrewed them or decided to saw them off, but he did that to see if it could fit into his car. Mm -hmm. So he just felt like, you know what, I'm going to try this. Then he worked with the Ikea founder to perfect this way of designing and delivering affordable furniture that could be compact and just go right into the car and then be built. Right. Versus just selling furniture that was already pre-built. Which I think is pretty brilliant. I mean, I have to say, like, you know, real wood furniture, like real crafted everything furniture, you know, is, is really nice stuff and there's definitely an art to it. But I think also that a lot of people in our generation ourselves included, who live in apartments, like, really can't just be schlepping it around <laughs> everywhere. I mean, we walked into a little, like, used furniture store this past week because we were curious what they're all about. And it was, like, you know, really nice stuff, but really expensive and really heavy looking. And we were kind of looking and thinking, like, you know, okay, so if you're moving from apartment to apartment, 
you're not going to be able to, you know, transport that very easily. I mean, maybe in a different time, if you really had a house and you were just staying somewhere, like, that's different, but... Well, he actually created over 200 pieces of furniture, and his quote was, My products are simple, practical, and useful for everyone, no matter how old you are or what your life situation. Mm-hmm. And that was his goal. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I mean, we got a bookcase, I think, I think just one, you know... That was designed by him, so to speak, and we we have friends even that that as soon as you say the word <laughs> IKEA, oh that that looks like that's from IKEA, and they're like that's a Billy. Right, but what I was gonna say is that this bookcase that we got is made out of wood. It's not like particle board. Right, but it's relatively lightweight, you know. So I'm I'm just saying it was, uh, you know, designed well. Just to finish up, the IKEA makes fifteen of these bookcases a minute. And it sold 41 million units by Billy's 30th anniversary, which was in 2009. Yeah. Billy not being the person, but being the furniture. Right. It's funny they called it Billy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, yes. This one's a doozy. What is it? Mississippi is trying a unique campaign by passing a bill requiring teachers to grade parents. Mm-hmm. Yes, what about it? Yeah. If this bill passes, students won't be the only one receiving grades from teachers. This means that under House Bill 4, known as the Parent Involvement and Accountability Act, they worked hard on that yeah. title, Teachers would be required to grade parents' involvement with their child's education. All right, so my input on that, having taught for a few years, is that, I mean, on the one hand, that's brilliant, because I think that, you know, there are a lot of issues that kids have and, you know, teachers have with parents or whatever because of the parents' involvement or lack thereof. So taking that into account is very smart. The problem is that, well, two problems. Number one, not all parents can be involved just because they are working so many jobs and whatever and, like, you know, they can't do it um, and whatever other life circumstances. And number two, really not all teachers are objective. I mean, I worked with a teacher last year who just spent the entire year gossiping about parents and like how this parent was horrible and that parent was horrible and that, that parent never came to parent-teacher conferences and, you know, they must really not care. And like, I mean, if you're going to have a lot of teachers out there who are looking at this that way, it's not going to be very productive. You know, I mean, it, it, it can, I, I can see why they would consider making such a law, but I think it's kind of a slippery slope. According to the law, it's mentioning that they're going to be graded on the responsiveness of communication with teachers, the students' completion of homework, readiness for tests, and the frequency of absences and tardiness. Right. Well, that goes back to what I'm saying. I mean, some of this stuff is kind of out of everybody's control. But, you know, there's something else to consider. And, I mean, I don't know if it's like this in every school, but that teacher I worked with, um, who I, I felt was not very effective at her job, to be honest. Like, I mean, she, she would be constantly bothering parents. I mean, and this is something they always say don't do as a teacher, right? You know, some little thing happens to the kids. If it's not 
necessary, you know, to talk about it, don't bother. You know, tell, like, when you see the parent, tell them something nice about the kid. You know, if there's anything you need to know, move on. Like, don't call them up all night and be like, you know, little minutia. People don't have time for that. So if, you know, let's say you have a teacher who is that way and is calling the parent ten times a night and the parent's not responding, you know, should the parent be punished for that? I don't think so. The Heritage Foundation said that my initial reaction to this is absurd. The concept that parents should be graded by teachers on their involvement becomes a reversal of what the education system should look like. That the parents should be grading teachers on their performance. Putting grades on parental involvement from the top down is not the way this should work. So that in itself tells you a lot. And I, I think that that can also go both ways. Hold on. I yeah. Mean, wait, like, wait, wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What's no. going on? Listen. No, we just heard I'm a lot washing, of water. I'm washing lettuce. Okay. Oh, the lettuce, right. No, but I can say lettuce. also, okay, like when I first started out teaching and I was very young, and, you know, at the very, very beginning, parents were skeptical of me. Because here I was just this little, like, kid. I wasn't a kid. I was, like, already, like, 20-something. But you know what I mean. They see you coming in as a new person, and everybody freaks out. Over time, they got used to me and actually liked me, and people would ask for their kids to be in my class. But in the very beginning, you know, they and my coworkers just didn't know how to handle a new person. Yeah. So, you know, like like that, as far as grading teachers is concerned, you kind of have the same objective and objective issue, you know, about people judging each other. It's just turning our society into... A backward state of mind where the parents yeah. are now going back to school again. Right. I mean, like, I, I think that it is important for everybody to be involved in their child's education, you know, that th- this stuff shouldn't just be, like, swept under the rug. I mean, the, the parents really do have an impact on how the kid's doing. A lot of times when bullying happens, it's because of things that are happening at home. Yeah. You know, then again, the teacher really needs to step in and figure out how to control it, but... You know, parent, parent involvement is very important, but I think we also need to acknowledge that where the world is right now, people are having to work several jobs, yeah. you know, just to do things. I mean, there were people in, you know, other teachers in my teaching courses a few years ago who were also parents and were just, like, talking about how when they had to go to parent-teacher conferences, they would kind of have to, like, you know, figure out which one they were actually able to go to based on their schedule because they were in school and they were working full-time you know, and they were taking care of kids who, you know, may have had special needs and stuff. I mean, it's it's not a simple task anymore, especially when you have both parents working or lots of single moms and stuff. I mean, it's, it's not so simple. Let's go to our last story, which is from ZDNet. Video reveals the moment that a Google self-driving car slams into a bus. Mm-hmm. The question is, who's liable? Right. <laughs> I mean, this is something that I've, I've been thinking about for a while um, with this whole idea of the self-driving car is that it really can't rule out all circumstances. You know, in, in other words, like, they like to say, well, that will take out the risk of human error. But don't forget that, you know, provided you're a decent driver, you're actually, you know, preventing your car from ending up in trouble. Like, you know, if there's a, you know, tennis ball or a rock or something coming at your windshield, you have to be able to react. So, for example, one time when I was driving a long time ago in Rhode Island, 
Um, I went under a bridge on the highway, right, like Route 95, big highway, and somebody had thrown a tennis ball over the bridge and fell on the windshield. Okay, mm. made a big thud, kind of scary. Fortunately, nothing happened, and I kept driving. But I was in the middle of a highway, okay? A very busy highway, like the biggest curve in the highway. Now, if that was a self-driving car, I would assume the car would just freak out and shut down. Right? I, I would kind of assume. So you're like in the middle of the highway. I mean, what do I know about this tech stuff? I'm just saying that when you have a human involved, they can make the decision, is this something I need to address? Or is this, you know, not a danger? Well, they, they said that this happened on Valentine's Day on February 14th yeah, so. of this year. Well, no. Well, it's just interesting that of all, all days, Valentine's okay. Day. That it's no, but I'm, I'm saying that, like, you know, I, I don't think that these self-driving cars are going to rule out all safety issues. Because in that situation that I was just mentioning, I would assume that the car would stop. Or, right. like, some alarm bells would go on and, like, you know... It, it's it's kind of like, okay, take a deep breath, everything's okay. <laughs> well, Google's report was that the vehicle was driving autonomously. It pulled towards a right-hand curb to prepare for a right turn. The car's sensor then detected sandbags near a storm drain, and as the obstacles were blocking the car's path, it then came to a stop. The vehicle then waited while other cars passed before angling back to the center of the lane at roughly two miles per hour and managed to collide with a passing bus which was traveling at 15 miles per hour. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think on the road there are so many variables of things that can happen. I mean, what happens if a tornado comes by? Or it starts hailing all of a sudden? I mean, th there's no way they're going to be able to make the car manage all these circumstances productively. But, I mean, if that's out of your hands, right? But they're, they're saying the car had detected the approaching bus but predicted that it would yield to the Google car because they were ahead of it. But that's what I'm saying. That's what's scary about taking these decisions out of our own hands and putting them in the hands of a computer. Because a computer might think one way, but if you're thinking another way and you need to get that car to switch out of computer mode and let you drive if there's even any way, you know, you're stuck. You're, well, at, you're at the mercy of that computer. But they claim that these type of misunderstandings happen between human drivers on the road every single day. Absolutely. And it's a classic example of negotiation that's part of driving. Right. Where you that, have to predict what the other's movements is going to be. But that's what I'm saying. You know, when you put that kind of decision into the, the hands of a computer, that being your self-driving car, that's scary. Because the, the computer thought the bus was going to actually let them pass. Right. But, I mean, you, you do deal with that every single day, you know, just driving, you know, yourself. Like, it, if that decision is out of your hands and you really cannot say, no, I want it to go this way, and you have to go through that mental process of, wow, it's doing its own thing, how do I switch it so it's not doing its own thing, and make that decision in that same instant, you're going to end up in a lot of trouble. But they're, they're saying the worst part is, is that they now have to add an algorithm that acknowledges that people in society cut each other off road rage and lack of indication. Of course. Of signal. Of course. Which they're saying completely disrupts the entire system. That's so the problem with it. It might be a case where all normal cars that are not self-driving have to be off the road for this to work. Right, and I think that there are also problems with that, though. Because let's say you have all these cars that are driving this way, and again, something happens, and all the cars are programmed. You know, It really takes away your ability to be safe the way you want to be safe. 
or except like, you know, if you're in ice and you need to swerve, right? Right. Like well, up here in the Northeast, we deal with that a lot. You either swerve into the car in front of you or you swerve into the snowbank. Well, they're, they're saying as indication of this and because they actually looked at the footage, the bus driver's was eating a sandwich right. and had only one hand on the steering wheel. So now they said they're going to program that the cars are now going to understand that larger vehicles like buses and trucks are less likely to be courteous and yield than other types of vehicles. I don't know. I, I just think this whole thing is really uh, not going in a, a good direction. I and mean, that's not just me being cynical. That's like observing the world. I mean... And, and and having driven in places with people who are not exactly rational. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't I, I don't see it really solving problems. Because I mean we've dealt with computers, I mean, even the way technology is now, like and it has improved over time, but there are still lots of quirks. Yeah. I mean, our, my computer is a PC and we have to fix it like every week. You know? <laughs> I have to fix it. You have to fix it. Fine. But, you know, it gives me so much trouble. And I'm thinking, like, you're going to do that to a car, okay? Even if this is, like, a you know, has better better technology than that PC, you're still doing this to a vehicle that is in charge of your physical safety. Yeah. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. And with that, we're, we're done. Okay. The time is up. Mm-hmm. We've been talking for 30 minutes. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yes. I'm still frustrated about the Carson thing. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that. Well, All I can say is, like, you know, if you were a fan of Carson before, don't follow him just because he's with Trump. You have to realize that Trump carries with him certain other things that, you know, that's it, not going away. And even if he has Carson on his side, so to speak, he's going to try to manipulate Carson into what he wants him to do. Yeah. Just essentially pay attention. If you want to check our website out, thingsmywifesendsme.com. Hopefully we'll be back next time. Mm-hmm. I think we'll be back next time. As far as I know. Okay. Excellent. Thanks again. Have a great day, everyone. What, what are you looking at me for? You forgot your line. Oh. See, and he doesn't do his line. That's why he forgets his line. Come oh. on. Doesn't do my line. <laughs> Just say your line and it'll make sense. Fine. And remember, guys, always listen to your wife. See, he doesn't always listen to his wife. That's why he forgets. We'll see you next time.